we can take responsibility. There isn't anybody who is going to do it for us. We are making the choice every single time we take a step. Am I stepping in love or am I stepping in fear? Welcome to Women of Impact. Thank you. And H, you are incredible. You have gone from being homeless, living in a car, having your dad pass away at a very early age, incredible turmoil, rejection, and yet you sit here, an Emmy Award winner with your own podcast, <laughs> looking like you love life. I do. And so I really want to dive into that because the amount of people right now that I think are stuck in where they are, yeah. are taking rejection to heart, are taking it personally, they're not living the dream they really want. I want you to be the most beautiful beacon for those people to show that it's possible because you've been there and you've done it. So if you don't mind taking me back to um, your early childhood where you talk about rejection and you talk about being rejected by the church because of the history of your dad, so if you don't mind starting there. It's a lot to dive into. Yeah. And the journey that I had came from a very difficult place, raised in a cult, gone through a very religious, very abusive life upbringing. There's a fortune and misfortune to the death that lies cause. My father was one of the first men to die of AIDS in 1983. In fact, the night he died, the next morning on the cover of the New York Times, they labeled AIDS the gay disease. We were told that we wouldn't know if we would live for nine years. There was so Just much fear. Just to give fear. people context, I don't think they, you know, we lived through it, but they didn't know back then whether if someone had it, if it was transmissible. That's right. So they just assumed that maybe you and your family had AIDS too, correct? Well, it wasn't even that. I was raised in an abusive childhood on very many different levels, sexual included. What happened was my father died three months later to the day my brother died. In the middle of that, I became 14 years old. I looked at life, the way that it was delivered, and I realized that it was based, in my opinion, on a lie that my father could not tell the truth about his life. That his sexuality was such that he had to hide it so much that he became abusive to himself, then had to cover the lie, then became abusive to his family. And the amount of hatred he had, I believed, for covering what was his most exclusive, most excellent self had to be buried. And it died in that lie and I said from then on I would start telling the truth no matter what it took let me try something else and that's kind of what got me through to understanding what it is to now be sitting here being able to be a voice that says look at the truth when we look at the truth it's the most complicated most direct thing you're ever going to do when you make the decision to tell the truth or tell a lie there's only one fork in the road and it's must that you must must answer that question when you do it delivers every single step that you take and those steps that i've taken are now what people are witnessing and being able to experience in fact when you look back at somebody's life it makes absolutely 100 percent sense how they are and who they become i think because you look at that journey and there's no other choice for them but to keep moving forward. And that's what you and I are about, talking to women about moving forward and furthering their lives. God, that's so freaking powerful. So there's one <laughs> thing I actually want to dive into a little because there's these two parts. You talk about the fork in the road. Many people, when there's turmoil, especially in childhood, the fork becomes go with what you know, right? Because it, there's, there's some safety in that. And so... Well, to be clear, when a child has been abused or mistreated in any way, the fork is go with what you know. What you know is a dual, dual forked road because go with what you know is habit. 
And it also, going with what you know, has covered your reality. Mm -hmm. So you have become whatever it is you've had to manufacture to make what you know make any sense at all. The third part of that fork then becomes an idea that does not exist, which is choice to make a different impact in your own life by choosing truth. So what we do when we want to talk about the communication like you're doing and allowing us to recognize that the fork that we think we're facing, we haven't addressed the middle part, that we've become something to survive. That something to survive is what we have to ask ourselves about. Determine, I call it the last name story. Tell yourself the truth about the story you came into that you couldn't choose. I couldn't be the queen of England. And guess what? Sometimes I want to be, but I ain't gonna be ever, no matter what it takes. My story is my story. She goes through her hardships. That's called a pool of consciousness. We all hurt. Things go in feeling bad. They would not be things that we choose because we would never choose if we were in our right minds to allow something to feel bad. So that's that middle part where you go, that means telling the truth about the things that felt bad, giving the responsibility back to those who put that into you and then get it out of you so that it becomes a badge of honor for you to be able to choose who you are. Your first name story saying, I choose me. I choose this. I see what happened. I'm okay with accepting the responsibility of understanding that I can make a different life for myself. And that's really what's standing up, getting in the side of love. Oh my God, that's so amazing. So let's keep going because down that middle path is where people don't even realize they are. What's, what is the key then that allowed you to say, I have this middle path? Because most people, going back to the thing, most people don't realize they have that middle. I don't know if you've heard the um, David Foster Wallace story about, he, made, he did this story in his commencement speech. And he basically said there's a story where there's an old fish and he's swimming along and two little fish swim in the opposite direction. The old fish turns around to the little fish and says, what's up boys, how's the water? Fish keeps swimming along and one of the other small little fish turns around to his friend and is like, what the hell is water? Because when you're swimming in it, when it surrounds that's, you that's all the time. That's a wonderful analogy. You don't realize you what water is. It's like air. We don't yes. think about it. It's just automatic. Right. So going to your point, there are so many people that don't realize they have this middle fork. Yes. And they either live a life of um, where people say, oh, I've realized now there are options. I realize now that maybe I can get out of it. Well, that's the first step because a lot of people don't know that there are. Exactly. What is the thing that allowed you that came from this background that had a lot of adversity, yes. a lot of rejection, a lot of shame put upon you by society about what they think AIDS is? How do you, with all of that, still realize you've got that third option? Because that's the missing key, I think, on unlocking I other people right. realizing oh, I can do what Anne H just did and pick that third path that I didn't realize was even there. Well, I love this question and I've never been asked it so specifically. My life was such that where I was sitting, where I was standing, the soup that I was in that my family delivered was the exact opposite of what I wanted. And it was the exact opposite of anything that I had cultivated as a knowledge of understanding of love. I was only told that I could read the Bible as a child. I was locked in bathrooms and told to clean them until I finished reading. I knew the Bible inside out. What I also knew was that what I was reading and digesting, the very thing they thought would be my hypnotism, became my encyclopedia of knowledge. Everything in that book was something that was telling supposedly the truth. How I was being treated was the exact opposite of what I was being told that truth 
how it got executed in life through action. So that was something that I started to study at. Everything that I'm told is the truth is actually a lie. What if everything is the lie is the truth? What if I can actually do whatever I want in this world and I can make sure that I'm not in this for as many or as few days as I can possibly make, I will make that journey. How do I do that? Here's the key. Is somebody else going to do it for me? I knew that answer. No, nobody else, Anne, is going to do it for you. We can take responsibility. There isn't anybody who is going to do it for us. There is a sentence on us like a jail prison sentence that is called blame. It's your fault. Well, what that does is put us in the exact manure and quicksand that keeps us in a place where we cannot evolve to I choose me. And in choosing me, I choose you. So that is the combination of responsibility, power, and love for yourself to make a different choice and get on the other side and be then a conduit for others. So we start with our heart, we connect our mind and intelligence and can activate our bodies to then pursue whatever it is we want because those three are in order. Wow, girl, that was so powerful. How do you then, because there's one thing about realizing it and then there's the next thing about then taking action. That's and right. when you've been brought up in a family where you've just been abused, time and time again, mentally, physically, emotionally, um, and you get rejected, like... More have been there than we would like to imagine. Yeah. Um, when you go through all that, how do you then take that first step of confidence? Because knowing it, like I said, is very different than taking those steps and acting on it. And when you've been rejected your whole life, even when you say to yourself, I didn't like this isn't my fault other people did this to me there's still that fear of getting rejected getting pushed back and feeling like um you're starting from square one again and you know when you've got that clear path to take that first step can be very difficult how did you face the fear of taking those first steps of saying I'm going to live in my truth no matter what that brings I faced the fear because there was nothing worse that could happen to me the extremeness of it is what allowed me to say, I'll die, ain't nothing, ain't nothing gonna get in my way. In that part, I was lucky. That's why I can say this now and say, guess what? You don't need to go through all that. I'll tell you what, there is another side. There is love and it starts with you. What I want to shine the light on and shed the light into, you will activate once you put yourself in the driver's seat. So one of the things that you said, and I just want to reflect your language, mm -hmm. you said, I'm not to blame. I didn't do this. It was done to me. What that is, is a blame scenario, which encourages the lack of responsibility for I am here. I understand it's a difficult thing to say. We get caught in habit, but empowering yourself with intellect. First question you ask, am I, am I worth it to me to fight for a different way? Okay, am I standing where I want to be? or would I like to be someplace else? Am I responsible for those two things? 
because once you're in tune with those three things, that yes, I'm responsible, yes, I want it, there is no one else to blame for me getting it, now I can activate my power to achieve it. And that's then where we get to sit and in the glory of I'm standing where I wanna stand. That is our biggest choice. I choose to be here. I am not gonna put that responsibility on anybody else. And the only way to overcome it is with love and how it ripples and triples and that begins with yourself. How do you have such a beautiful outlook on love? Because in fighting for it, you discover how wonderful it is to participate in something that is more than you. God, that's so beautiful because when I think about what we're taught as kids and how we take that into our adulthood and we take certain things as truth, many, so many people, oh my God, so many people haven't been shown love in their life. And so I love then and also we haven't asked them to define what love means because oh. we all have a different definition. All right, go, keep going, girl. Well, do you see what I mean? Now you can say a blanket statement that says we haven't been shown love. Well, if I asked you how you got shown love and you asked me how I would want love shown, it would be two different things. Mm. Sam would like to go out and, and throw a baseball around with his dad and catch. Susie wants a tea party. So then you go to the intellect. That's why it's three superpowers. You can put the one aside for a second. You can intrigue it and then go, okay, let's do this. What could I do to make you feel loved today? Well, I kind of wanted a tea party with my dolls. Cool. Okay, now we're giving our children the intellect. We're without doing it, I call it accidental wisdom, we're already giving them love. We're not having to say to them, this is how I love you. We wanna be loved in different ways. Some people wanna be driven to the movies, others want a pair of shoes. It doesn't matter what it is that you want, there's plenty for all of us. This world is a world of, well, it's a plethora of, it's a cornucopia of everything we could possibly want. There's nothing missing, except when we don't identify what it is that we truly want and pretend that what you want is what I'm missing and I go after it. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. I absolutely love that. Defining what love looks like. Oh my God, that's so powerful. What does it mean? Because I, and I totally understand, even with me and my husband, we have love language, right? His love yeah. language is very different sure. to mine. Sure, sure. Um, but I guess like where I want to go is 
some people don't even believe they're worthy of love. And so I actually love to start talking about worth because many of us, me stepping in front of the camera, just doing the show, I had to, from day one, say there's no way I'm going to um, value my worth based on external people and whether they watch the show or whether they like me or not. And that was something that I had That's to go into. Step. But I had to go in with my eyes wide open because I knew as someone that was picked on in school, I was bullied in school for my looks and I had a really long Greek name and, you know, I had a big nose and the head brace that wrapped all the way around. Nice. Got to totally huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sexy girl, yeah, sexy. Yeah. So <laughs> I had to, I knew that it would be very um, d uh, dangerous for me to go into this profession in being in front of the camera and um, attaching my worth to people's opinions and to how many people watched me or didn't watch me. Yeah. And it was so hard. And when I talk about self-worth and I think about self-worth, how on earth for you who has, I mean, I, you know, I have a YouTube channel. You were like in public eye, on freaking stages, winning an Emmy, like in newspapers, in tabloids. Isn't that fantastic? But how did you, along the way, or did you, in fact, that would be even just as much of an important question. Did you ever allow external validation to dictate how you felt about yourself, to see your worth? Because, especially in freaking Hollywood, again, I can only imagine from being on the outside, but they're freaking, they're, they're fickle. One minute they love you, next minute they hate you, one minute your movie's amazing, next move, next thing, you know, it's crash at the box office and no one wants to work with you. It's like, it's so up, up and down turmoil. How on earth did you navigate that? Because while most people listening and watching on in Hollywood, it's so freaking important for us to touch upon external validation and how you show up every day. To resist enough judgment on yourself is a key to activating our curiosity enough to pause before hating ourselves so much that we dive deeper into our insecurities. It's that road. So, and by the way, I've gotten better at this. It gets very, it gets difficult. But in my innocence, there was a boldness about how I was received and how I was rejected. And it seemed to happen almost on a daily basis and then became on a global basis when I chose to fall in love with a woman named Ellen DeGeneres because four days before I met her, she was coming out two days after. I had a premiere, which I thought was the best way to celebrate her. Anybody possibly could. I'm a woman. You're a woman. You're standing up for the one thing I thought was the most important thing in my life. And that was the truth about sexuality. I'm taking her to the premiere. Cut to Wednesday, the day before the Thursday premiere. I am met by five suits in front of me. I don't even see them. I'm like, what's going? I turn around, Ellen's in an armchair. I come and sit on this arm. What's going on? You can't take Ellen to the premiere tomorrow night. Huh? What? When we think about a time where being gay was illegal, where falling in love with somebody of the same sex was not honored as a 100% yes. We described those human beings as less than they are. That was the beginning of my call to action with truth and certainly was not going to be the end when you are tempted with a carrot that is dangled that looks so much like the carrot you want. Movie star, mm -hmm. I met with Harrison Ford the next morning. Boy, they took that away too. You will not get the movie with Harrison Ford. This was a big dangle.
So you have this career that you 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 fought hard to get. Yeah. You're now fucking there, girl. It's that, not even there. like a dream. It's it like you're it. actually there. Someone comes in and challenges your truth, right? Because you really wanted to speak up. This is who I am. Someone comes in. Well, challenges the truth. The it's truth. Not Sorry. Mine. Yes. Challenges Sorry. the truth. Are gay people equal or not? Right. Period. And so, no brainer. When they come to you and they dangle the stick, in this very moment, this is what I'm trying to get to, girl. This is the key that's going to unlock it for everyone. In that freaking moment where you can start to feel like people are either going to take your value away, quote unquote, you need people to see that I'm doing that, that's that right. they're taking right. your value away. They're taking your quote unquote worth away. Everything you've dreamed about, everything you fought for. And so many people in that moment will go, you know what, it doesn't define me, it's fine. It's that freaking moment. It's that moment. How on earth did you, and I'm really like, what's the fucking key, homie? Like, in that moment, how did you say, the carrot isn't worth it? Because being true to who I am is. So many people don't make that decision. And that's why I want to drill down into this very moment. I asked myself if I really did commit to the truth or if I was a lying sack of shit and wanted to join the crowd. What do I abide? So what's more important, my what truth? What do I serve? That's the fork that doesn't have the middle anymore. That's the fork that's very clear. Do I believe in 100% truth of myself or do I believe in a little bit less? Well, my theory had already been that would mean if I give less than the truth, then I get less in return. I'm gonna be standing in a really shitty place tomorrow. They think it's because they're gonna fire me from Fox. I think it's gonna be because I sold out. You saying selling out and it's like- What's while, your worth? While you're talking about Hollywood, I think so many of us what sell, our sell ourselves out for that tiny little moment. Tiny little bit. And then we wanna talk about value. So when we talk about worth, a lot of us think that it is a monetary thing that creates materialism, being house, car, plants in our backyard, whatever we can touch or feel, that's a material item. So we either attach worth to a material item, even we can list a girl as a material item, a guy as a material item, well, what does he have? Good, he's six foot two, well, he's a little bit hung, great. Does he work on Wall Street? <laughs> you know, you're like, check, 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 check. What's important is when we get down to the little bit of what, what we value. Because now you're in the system of asking yourself, what do I want? What would I like to provide? What more can I give? Good, I think I'm responsible for what I receive. So now my intelligence already is activating. I think I'm gonna go further with this. When you're going further, and then you're in the universe's intelligence and you're with everyone else who wants to go further too. And by going further, we don't go back and create rubble. We do not destroy. We get out of destruction and move into creation. I was like, hold, you said one quote, and I'm like, please hold on to it, Lisa, please hold on to it in my head. Um, you said, what we allow ourselves to accept. I've never been sexually abused, so I'm very careful to never assume. But the one thing that, in interviewing many people that have, and specialists and therapists, um, it's very, I, I tiptoe around, making sure people don't feel like um, I'm calling Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's your fault. Yes, because we're gentle, but you're trying to activate people's power by giving them the, the, the freedom to say, I can get on the other side of my abuse. You're not trying to insult that it's not there. Yeah, so how do, how do you see those two things and separate the two? We can either focus on 
which I think is a, a, a trap that we have gotten into, focus on telling the stories about our abuse that claim and blame the abuse where it is supposed to be. That is empowerment that we tell those stories for that reason. But telling the stories for the reason, if you get it all the way true, and this is a big challenge to those who have been abused, you have to get 100% clear on your story about what happened and who's, who belongs to the pain of it and who belongs to the heart of it and the love of it. And when we can define that, I can already say 100% I know, and I know it for everybody else too. You are the heart and the abuse belongs to somebody else. I am not my abuse is one of the mantras that I would like people to understand and embrace. I'm so appreciative of you asking me this because what you can do is help empower people to say, can we agree you are not your abuse? That was put in you and that does not belong to you. It already put in you what you're dealing with and you can, you can make the choice to look at it. You do not have to suffer through it anymore once you put your intellect on asking yourself, is that pain mine? Or do I want to do the exploration to bring it into my forefront, to see it for what it is and say, guess what? You are not mine. Goodbye. <laughs> Go where you belong. It is not yours. It doesn't mean there isn't going to be some stuff that has healing and emotion. Once you understand that truth, then you can start to look at yourself with compassion, which is what you deserve because it wasn't your fault and it's not yours. And in fact, our shadow is when we say, okay, I'm going to look at my story. What we're going to, what we're going to come up against is that's the darkness. Now, remember, if we do our work and our practice, we know going into that choice to look that we are not our abuse. So we're not anything that was wrong. We're not anything that's dark. That belongs to somebody else and that's the work that we're gonna to do to release it. The more we understand that that darkness goes away to those people because it's painful, we get to let in the darkness that is the shadow that says I'm here to protect you and to help you because you need to have intelligence around those things, but you also need to have the truth about them and it starts with you. Always again, going back to the truth of yourself. That's freaking beautiful. Beautifully, like me. so eloquently put. That was amazing. Um, and so, so how do you start? Like, what? Take me through, like, let's say a day or an event where it's like, what are the habits you need to cultivate? Because I'm so tactical. So in those moments where it doesn't feel good, in those moments where you may not want to, but the fear is definitely taking over, in those moments where your emotions are heightened, what are the habit-forming things that you have done in order to not let that take control, in order to execute everything you just beautifully, eloquently said? The habit to break is you get up in the morning, is are you where you wanna be? And let's say the answer is no. Well, the answer is no, then you go, well, am I responsible or is it somebody else, where are they? Can I find somebody else to, my sheets are, <laughs> Is if there, people are listening to this on podcast, uh, you're like standing up looking under pillows. <laughs> Where's the person I can blame? Mm. Okay. Okay. So responsibility is about beginning the story in the morning with yourself and asking yourself if you want to take responsibility for where you want to be. And if you say yes, then you will all ready be making the choice to make the responsible choice for others because once you put down and deposit something that ain't shit guess what it has one direction it ripples and triples better and better and better we are making the choice every single time we take a step am i stepping in love or am i stepping in fear 
it's our, uh, it's our choice every single minute of every day. It is the practice and it will always greet you because it's right here. It's called consciousness. Oh my God, that was so good. And like just even how you started it where it's like, I just wake up and say, am I where I am? No, okay, well, who's responsibility? <laughs> like that, like honestly, uh, yeah. I'm so freaking Can practical I, like that. that now, I that, like logical steps. And that's exactly it's it. It's a good right? beginning. Yeah, that's something that someone can do every morning and just ask themselves. So then what then, is it? Then the train wreck starts. I just was about to say, <laughs> that's like the question that's, and now the action. And now the answer in the, is, is oh. the intelligent. What starts the question is the belief. We were talking about this when you were talking about your relationship show with your husband. So many people don't ask each other, like, what do you believe? What do you think that it is? What well, here's the thing. You have to believe to ask the question. That is the first step that shows your power and your magnificence in being to overcome anything that's in your way. Because if you're asking, you want to know the answer, even if it's the worst answer you could ever imagine, but you're activating a curiosity, our other biggest superpower that we ignore, the curiosity that says, am I, am I worthy of taking responsibility for myself? What is my self-worth? Do I value me enough to take care of me today and make every single action I do an action that is moving forward in the direction toward the dimension of love for myself? That in and of itself is a complicated practice. It is the beginning. It is the beginning practice in Time for Love, the end of abuse, that will be stated. The first part of the practice is resistance. And what that means is I get up in the morning and instead of just going about my day thinking, oh my God, this is going to be the same as it was yesterday or whatever story it is you have in your head that doesn't take your responsibility into a, a, a order is the, is the opposite. Resist thinking that you have to be in a habit. Practice resistance. Practice getting yourself together and moving yourself through the fear of how much we hate ourselves and imagine that you're wrapping your head around that hate is not yours mm -hmm. because we would never if we had the choice all we would do is love and all we would do is love each other so take that whatever it is that misery there's another one ding 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 if you're feeling bad if it's not gonna guess what that's somebody else's and the practice then continues from there but am i responsible is a pretty good one Homie, oh my God, that was so fucking fire. <laughs> um, you got a new podcast, Better Together. Yes, um, Together with Anne and Heather. Yeah, so amazing. Um, what has that taught you about friendship? Well, we're about, we're, we're doing our second season now and, and friendship, I think, and I'm going to quote you, you said Ooh. about your husband and you when you got together, what's the number one thing? Do you want a relationship? You said this on your relationship. Do you want a relationship? Are you ready to go to work? I have learned the same about friendship. Mm -hmm. Loving relationship is taking somebody into effect more than yourself by positioning yourself at 100% acceptance of yourself so you can receive the information that gets you through the hard work. That's really what I feel like it is. And that growth and that commitment to that growth that we both have has been one of the most exciting relationships that I've ever been able to build. It has highs, it has lows, it has times to think. And as we continue the practice of self-service, which is in everything we do, I think. And I think people are, I mean, our hearts and minds and our bodies, we are the reflection of what that looks like. And so for me, I feel like having a reflection of a friend whose commitment and work commitment is mine, her heart commitment to her family, our commitment to the community to be able to grow and serve what loving kindness is, I think we all are 
are in the service, when you're in the service to yourself, that is the opposite of what selfishness is. It's mm -hmm. taking yourself into consideration so you can see others in the capacity that they are capable of being seen, which is their 100%. But if we arrive at 72, guess what? We'll get 72 because the light can only be shown back and forth. Do we want to see people in their wholeness and their fullness and their greatness? Yes, then you must show up with 100% because then you get the glory and the space and the God that allows us to come into this conversation with a holy grail of what it is to have value in this life, to be able to meet more, to seek more, and to see more truth and loving consciousness in the world. If you're into that kind of thing, you might want to listen to this podcast. Where can people find the podcast? It's so wonderful to hear you guys together. I think you're so sweet and I cannot wait to have you on. And we we have a big celebration of your book coming out. There's oh, nothing more that this world needs than yeah, the, the Lisa that. times 10. I think you said it's 10 <laughs> chapters. Um, we are on from Spotify to Apple, and we will be relaunching our second season on April 1st. Amazing. And where can people follow you? At Anne Hage. I'm very difficult to find. I'm Anne Hage Just all like over the place. Just like search for it. All right. Amazing. Guys, 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 you've got to go check out this woman. Her story, her evolution, her growth, how she shows up every day in truth is so beautiful to watch. So go check out her podcast. Go check her out. And if you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Billiou. And if you want to subscribe, click that subscribe button down there. And until next time, guys, be the hero of your own life. Peace out.